0: Yes. All right. Let's give a shout out to everybody on all of our campuses as we get started here today. You know, Compassion Christian is one church that meets at seven different locations and we expect that number to actually be going up again soon. We are starting a new service in a new city tonight. Hinesville is getting hit by Compassion Christian. Anybody want to say praise the Lord? Boom, boom, boom. All right. Now, you're going to be hearing more about that in the days ahead, but I'm telling you, God is at work, and this is kind of a God thing, and I can't wait, I can't wait to tell you a little bit more about it. But uh, I do want to welcome everybody, uh, all of our friends, and all of our... Hey, let's just greet everybody on all of our campuses as we get started here tonight. Welcome, everybody. Uh, Midway, Hinesville, Effingham, East. Glad to have you here, man. Now, <clears throat> in 2001, Ron Howard directed a movie that won four Academy Awards about a brilliant Princeton mathematician named John Forbes Nash, who won a Nobel Prize in 1994 for his achievements in mathematics and game theory. Now, the issue about his story that's so compelling is frankly not the math, though that was amazing. Uh, It's the love story between John and his wife, Alicia, because John Nash suffered from paranoid schizophrenia throughout his entire adult life. Uh, he began to experience delusions. I mean, literally seeing and interacting with people that did not exist at MIT uh, after finishing his doctoral program at Princeton. And the delusions sadly got more and more severe the the older he became. Now imagine trying to convince a top-tier mathematical genius that what you're seeing is not real. And your mind is being manipulated by lies. Now that's a tough sell. Uh, and because the delusions were so real to him, I mean, which is the nature of mental illness, right? These lies in his mind threatened his work, his career, all of his relationships, frankly, endangered his life. Now, here is a brilliant mind, almost totally sidelined, because he was so convinced that the lies that he believed, the lies that were so real to him, he thought they were true. Now, the beautiful part about this story is that his love for his wife and her love for him created created a situation where he had to choose. He had to either accept what his mind told him and what he felt was true or acknowledge the reality that he was being deceived by lies and as the people who loved him most were telling him, reality was totally different than what seemed so real to him. Now, thankfully... love led him to the point where he finally accepted that he was mentally ill. Uh, He realized how delusional his mental illness made him and how unreal and how untrue those delusions were. Consequently, he was able to learn to reject the lies that came at him every day and live a functional contributing life built on truth, even though he was never cured of schizophrenia he learned to recognize and battle the lies his mind told him and turn away from the life destroying path those lies led him down and eventually renew his mind by acting by faith on what was really true. Now, it's actually a fascinating story of the difference faith can make. Now, as far as I know, John Nash was not a follower of Jesus. But he was a man whose delusions put him on a path to institutionalization until he put his faith in the truth that was being told to him by people that he knew loved him. And that faith and his actions that followed restored him to a full life of love and respect and peace. Now, friends, we're in a series of messages that we're calling Soul Detox. And we're letting Jesus kind of coach us on how to love God with our whole heart and our whole soul and our whole mind and our whole strength. And a couple of weeks ago, we talked about detoxing our heart, which is the decision-making center of your life. Uh, we talked last week about detoxing our soul, you know, dealing with the subversive behaviors that have a profound effect on our life and our relationships and our personality. And today we're gonna dig into how to detox our mind. Now, I am a motorcycle rider and every time I get on a motorcycle, let me back up, that might've been a lie. Almost every time I get on a motorcycle, I put on one of these. You know, they say when you ride motorcycles that you put a value on your brain when you decide how much you're gonna spend on your helmet, right? And in the state of Georgia, you are required to wear a helmet uh, because it protects your mind. Now, in Georgia, we don't care if you wear boots or elbow pads or shin guards. I mean, in Georgia, you see people ride motorcycles with uh, flip-flops, those are mentally ill people, but... uh, But, you know, the state doesn't care. I mean, you can skin up your arms and and legs and, and, you know, feet and still survive. But, dude, you get a severe head injury that messes up your mind, you're done. And the Bible pretty much says the same thing. You know, in Romans chapter 12, verse 2, the Apostle Paul, who was an angry, violent man, whose mind was completely transformed by Jesus, said... Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your, say it with me, everybody. Mind. mind. That's where transformation comes from. The renewing of your mind. And then he says, you will be able to test and improve what God's will is. You'll know what his good and pleasing and perfect will is. Now, you see here how Paul connects renewing your mind with your ability to know and then do God's will. Apparently, There is a battle going on for your mind all the time. And if you're not thinking right, you will lose. You will not know God's will and you sure won't be doing it. And just like John Nash, man, we all have this battle going on between the truth in our mind and the lies of this world. Now look at what Paul concludes about this battle for our mind. Turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 10. If you've got your Bible, just turn there. This is a great passage. You're gonna wanna mark this up in your Bible. 2 Corinthians 10 verse three. Here's what Paul says. Let's read it all together. Y'all ready on the screen here, big voice, like lions. Here we go. For though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. Now, Paul introduces this idea of strongholds in this passage. What in the world is a stronghold? Uh, The Greek word oxuroma means to fortify. Friends, just imagine that there's a lie that you started believing about yourself or about God or about life in general years ago, years ago. Maybe it was because of some racial prejudice that you were taught by by your folks. Uh, Maybe it's peer pressure, maybe some uncontrollable appetite, uh, maybe some horrible experience you had at the hands of some sick person. And because of all of that, a lie has embedded itself in your heart and mind and you think it's true. You've believed this so long, just like Dr. Nash, you believe this delusion is true. Friends, worry is like a stronghold in your mind because you think you can't trust anybody, not even God. Fear can be a stronghold in your mind because you know what? You believe the lie that God has left you powerless in this world. Guilt, resentment, bitterness can be strongholds in your mind. I can't extend forgiveness and I can't receive forgiveness. Jealousy, envy, impatience, strongholds in your mind. I'm just not valuable as other people unless I get something special. You know, one commentator describes it this way. A stronghold is a place where evil is entrenched in your mind. Friends, strongholds are not out in the open or easily exposed. In other words, you may have strongholds in your mind that you don't even know you have. And friends, a stronghold is a well-defended place. It's difficult to attack. Man, in this battle for your mind, the devil has you convinced. And dude, you got all the reasons. You got all the excuses in the world as to why you think the lies you believe are logical and true. And I'm telling you, man, the devil has worked hard to fortify those lies in your mind so he can rob you. Rob you. You know, years ago when Sir and I lived in Richmond Hill, we had this great golden retriever, wonderful, we call it, he's the wonder dog, he's awesome. And we had this big yard and there was a little park on one side of our house and there was a huge, undeveloped area back behind our house. And believe it or not, we had trouble containing that dog. And so I installed an invisible fence. Y'all know what that is? Now, if you're a big pet lover and you think that's evil, I got a website you can send you a little complaint to, www.camdoncare.com. just send it right there. And I'll be glad to hear about it, all right? But man, we put this invisible barrier in and when the dog got too close to it, you know, he got a little encouragement to back up. Right. And I mean, we had this huge yard and that fence limited his freedom. That fence made our yard kind of a stronghold for him. In fact, after a while, we could turn the fence off and he still would not cross that barrier because it was a stronghold in his mind. And I know people like that. Do you? People who think I could never have a close relationship with God, not with my past. Oh, I'll never be good enough. I could never have a good marriage or relationship with my children. I can never change. I'll never be anything but fat. I'll never be anything but addicted. This is just the way I am. You know what that stuff is? Oxyroma. It's a stronghold. Something you got locked up in your heart and in your mind. Friends, these are lies. These things are not true. However, they have fortified themselves in your heart and your mind. And the scripture says it is going to require divine power to blow those walls down and destroy, demolish that stronghold. And here's the good news. If you're a follower of Jesus, the Holy Spirit lives in you who is the divine power that we need to demolish any stronghold. Amen? Amen? So let's go to work. Paul was crystal clear. You're in a war. We all have strongholds. That's a problem. And we don't wage war against them the way the world does. No. To destroy an evil stronghold, we demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And then we take captive every thought in our mind and we make it obedience to Jesus, obedient to Christ. Now, don't miss this. There's a battle going on in your mind right now. We all have renegade thoughts that need to be taken captive and made obedient to Jesus. Now, Paul is writing this to his buddy, Timothy, about this propensity that we have to imprison ourselves in these strongholds built by lies. And I love the way Paul focuses on the hope that we have. I mean, nobody in the body of Christ has to be stuck in a stronghold. Man, once we see the truth, Paul says we can flee evil desires of youth. We can pursue righteousness and faith and love and peace along with those who call on the Lord out of a pure heart. We don't have to have anything to do with foolish and stupid arguments because we know they produce conflict and quarrels. We can be gently instructed in the hope that God will grant us repentance, leading us to a knowledge of the truth. You know, repentance means a 180 degree turn. I used to believe a lie. I know now it's a delusion and I'm now focusing on the truth. I used to think I knew everything, but now I know if my truth disagrees with God's truth, my truth is not truth. If my truth disagrees with God's truth, my truth is not truth. Paul goes on to say, they will come to their senses, praise the Lord, and they will escape from the trap of the devil who has taken them captive to do his will. So let me give you a three step battle plan to demolish unhealthy strongholds and help you detox your mind. Now this is war. Dude, we're fighting for our heart, soul, mind and strength. And so here's the battle plan. Number one, recognize any lie or stronghold in your mind that opposes the knowledge of God. Now I think we should all just admit whether we know it or not, we have strongholds in our lives that cause us all kinds of problems because we believe a lie and we think it's true. Now, Proverbs 14, 12 says, there is a way that seems right to a man, but in the end, it leads to death. Man, it's a good day when you finally realize that some of the things that seem true to you only seem that way. Friends, everything you believe with all your heart is not true. Amen? Amen. Everything you believe with all your heart is not true. Listen, every kid I've ever seen thinks they know how to drive. And then the first time you put them behind the wheel, you realize that ain't true. <laughs> Amen. First time I went to basketball camp, I believed I knew how to shoot a jump, shot, a jump shot. But every coach at that camp convinced me that it was not true. I was at the University of South Carolina basketball camp. And so I left there and went to a Christian camp up at Clemson. I got it all straightened out. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> when we first got married, my Sarah believed it was easy to hit a golf ball. You remember that, baby? She thought it was easy. She's cocky about it. Her first try convinced her that was not true. Self-deception, friends, is why the Bible uses phrases like a darkened mind, a depraved mind, a corrupted mind, a broken mind, a discouraged mind. You know, we are all infected with a mental illness called sin. Consequently, none of us think clearly all the time. And listen, the greatest weapon the devil will use in the battle for your mind is a lie. John eight, Jesus said the devil was a murderer from the beginning, not holding to the truth for there is no truth in him. When he lies, he is speaking his native language because he is a liar and he is the father of lies. Friends, the first time we even see the devil in the Bible, he appears as a servant to tempt Adam and Eve and uses lies to build this rebellious stronghold in their heart and their mind against God. He tells them, "I I know God told you that if you sin against him, you'll die, but you won't die. That was a lie. If you eat this fruit, you become just like God. That was a lie. But listen, that's how the evil one works. Now, Craig Groeschel has written quite a bit on this. He says there are three categories of lies that Satan uses to build spiritual strongholds in our mind. And I'm just going to run through the list here. Uh, the notes on this message are on our church app. Here's what I want to encourage you to do. If you want to detox your mind, I want to encourage you to just mark any of these lies that you think may have created a stronghold in your heart if you've ever been told by somebody who loves you, that you believe one of these lies, I wanna encourage you to just mark it. Number one, these are the lies the devil tells us about our self-worth. Self worth. Now here's what that lie sounds like. We believe our worth is based on what we do and what others think. That's a lie. That's a lie. Paul wrote in Titus 3, 5, God saved us not because of righteous things that we have done, But because of his mercy, man, God loves us. We are valuable to him. He made us, he chose us, he loves us. Friends, that's unconditional love and acceptance. That is an amazing thing. But you know, if you believe the lie that your worth is based on what you do or what other people think about you, you are never going to have a minute of rest. Man, you're going to be overly driven, super competitive. You'll be tempted to sin sometime just to get to the bottom line that makes you feel good or you think makes you look good. Man, it might drive you to be a workaholic, never take any time off, feel guilty every time you relax. Why? Because you believe a lie. You believe your worth is determined by what you do. Or if I believe the lie that my value is based on what other people think of me, I'm going to become a people pleaser. You know, maybe, maybe I'll just turn into a doormat because I'm so afraid of disapproval. Or maybe I'll try way too hard and I'll just run everybody off. Or maybe I'll be willing to compromise my standards so I can get the notice of other people. I may let the fear of rejection cause me to shut down when what I really need to do is stand up. And Paul said, if you are all about pleasing people, you cannot please the Lord. But friends, if you believe this lie, that your worth is all about what you do or how you look and how other people think about you, it's brutal. And if you think that's you, Mark it. Here's another lie the devil used to build a stronghold in your life. I am the way I am and I cannot change. That's a lie. Now you've heard this lie <clears throat> whispered in your mind, haven't you? This is just, just how I am. I'll never be able to overcome this. And so what happens? You become passive. You just give up. You submerge into shame. And then life gets stale for you. And your relationships get stale. And your sense of purpose gets stale. And your contribution gets stale. Friends, I know this is super sensitive, but this lie is why so many people commit suicide. Now, I want you to look at this graphic because anytime you're out here on these edges, you're in the deception zone. You are in the deception zone. On this vertical uh, axis right here, you know, there are some people who feel like if I'm not in total control of everything, every kid, every dollar, every minute, every channel, we what? Then they're a failure because they're not under in control. There are other people on the other end of the spectrum who feel like I never have control over anything. My life is out of control. I can't stop anything. I can't do anything. I can't, I'm just at the mercy of other people in other circumstances on this horizontal you know, uh, axis here. You think, I got too much change going on in my life. Things are crazy, man. I don't have any control. I, I, I don't know. I can't keep up with how everything is going so fast. I can't get. And on the other end, it's like, there is no way in the world anything is changing in my life. I can't quit what I'm doing. I can't, I can't get this family sorted out. I and friends, I'm telling you, if you get out here on the edges somewhere, this is where people despair and give up and take their lives because they believe a lie. One of these four lives. I can't control anything. I'm, I, I've got to have total con- lack of control. I, 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 I've got to control it all. I can't control anything. I, I've got too much change or I don't have any change at all. Now, friends, healthy life is in the middle. But we all know people who have given up and given into despair because they believe one of these lies. Now, Peter told his friends the truth. He said, man, if you're out here on these edges, you need to repent. You need to be willing to change. You need to turn to God. Listen, man, God is a source of truth and power who can help you deal with every challenge. And if you repent and if you turn to him and you start thinking the way he thinks, man, your sins will be wiped out and times of refreshing will come from the Lord. And so, man, if you're struggling with, a, with this stronghold, I want to encourage you to mark it. Here's another common lie that many of us believe. If you really knew me, you wouldn't like me. Now, what does that lead to? If you really knew me the way I am, you wouldn't like me. So I'm going to pretend. I'm going to pose. Uh, I'm, I'm going to be led to hypocrisy. Man, so many pastors get stuck in this stronghold. You know why? Because everybody in church wants you to pretend that you're perfect. And you know why people in church want pastors to pretend that they're perfect? So you don't have to be like us because what you think is, hey, he's a pastor, he's perfect. If I was a pastor, I'd be perfect too, but I'm not a pastor, so I don't have any pressure to follow that example at all. And then so many pastors, you know, feel like, well, I don't wanna let people down. And so they try to pretend they are perfect. And and you know what, it ain't real. Now, nobody is flawless. And if you feel compelled to hide the truth, that's gonna lead to hypocrisy and pretending and acting, and I'm just telling you, it's not real. So let me tell you the truth about me. If you get to know me well enough, I promise I will disappoint you. I will. I don't want to, but I promise you, if you get to know me well enough, I'll disappoint you. I have feet of clay just like everybody else. God has called me to this high calling, and I'm thankful for that, and I'm humbled by it, but he knows, and I know that I am a flawed man, and now you know. Now, there's a pastor down in Florida named Stephen Brown, who's a professor at a Christian seminary down there and a great preacher. And he was preaching like this one time and he was telling all the folks, folks, I got sin issues just like you. And he said, a lady came up to him after the sermon and said, you know, pastor, I've heard a lot of pastors say that, but you're the first one I actually believed. <laughs> now, I wish pastors were the only believers that got trapped in this stronghold of perfectionism and trying to pretend that you got it all together all the time. And friends, if you're stuck in this one, mark it. All right, let's move a little bit faster. The devil also lies to us about the path to joy and happiness. I mean, why are we here? What's my purpose on earth? What's really fulfilling? Let me share with you some common lies that the the devil tries to use as a stronghold in your life. Number one, money provides security and happiness. Friends, that's a lie. Now you've met enough miserable rich people to know better than that, right? I mean, Jesus said, life does not consist in the abundance of your possessions. Let me tell you who I want to be. I want to be the guy that God can entrust with a lot of possessions who knows that stuff does not bring joy. I want to be blessed, but I also want to be the guy who has everything money can't buy. Can I hear amen? Amen. But listen, if you believe that lie that, you know, it's money that's going to make you happy and stuff and this and that, well, you become a hoarder. I mean, like many people we know who have tons and tons of stuff and don't give anything to the Lord. You know why? Because they have a stronghold in their life. Satan's built a simple stronghold in here. On the other hand, if you're one of these people who think if I just had a little bit more, then I'll be happy. You will work yourself to death and spend yourself into the debt. Neither one of them is going to produce any happiness. And if you think that's a lie that may have a stronghold in your mind, check it. How about this stronghold? If I'm not married, I am not a whole person. That's a lie. Friends, one is a whole number. Amen? (laughs) Jesus was single. Paul was single. Far as we know, Mary, the mother of Jesus, remained single as a widow for most of her life. These are three of the most remarkable people who have ever lived. But if you believe this lie that if I'm not married, I'm not okay, you know, you'll waste this valuable season of your life. You'll set yourself up to marry low, or you'll get married and then you'll heap all these unrealistic expectations on your spouse that nobody will be able to satisfy. Can I just say marriage does not make anybody happy? (laughs) You know who's laughing? Married people, (laughs) you know what I'm saying? (laughs) Listen, happy single people become happy married people and miserable single people become miserable married people. Don't buy the lie that because you're single, somehow that makes you less. But if this is a stronghold for you, check it. One last category of stronghold level lies are lies the devil loves to tell about God. Here's one common lie that a lot of people believe. The more I do for God, the more he will love me and the more he will bless me. That's a lie. You know what that lie leads to? Legalism. It leads you to think that you're better than other people because you keep the rules better than everybody else does. It leads to works righteousness, which is false theology. You know, this idea that if I work hard enough, God will approve of me. Friends, it leads to a critical attitude toward people that you don't think are doing as much as you are. That's Pharisaism. Those are the, that's the attitude that Jesus condemned more than anything else in the New Testament. People are not as spiritual as me because they don't do as much as me, love as much as me, sing as much as me, go to church as much as me, 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 me. me. What? Where's the focus in that? It's all on yourself. And then you burn out and you get disappointed and you quit. And the devil goes, got another one. Got him. Hear me when I say there is nothing you can do that will make God love you more. And there is nothing you can do that will make God love you less. You know, this is true, right? Say it with me, everybody. There is nothing you can do that will make God love you more. And there is nothing you can do that will make God love you less. Friends, God loves you. He has an undying love for you. And it's not based on how good you get everything done. And if the devil has you in this stronghold, check it. Here's another line many people believe. What I've done is so bad, God will never be able to forgive me. He may be able to forgive other people, but he is not going to forgive me. We talked about this last week. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and cleanse us of all unrighteousness. But friends, the list of these lies just goes on and on and on and on. And if you've checked any of these lies as a stronghold in your life, man, the first step to breaking it down is to recognize it. Recognize what it is. It's a lie. Now, friends, the devil's greatest weapon is a lie, but the believer's greatest weapon is the truth. Dude, Jesus said the truth will set us free, especially from these strongholds in our minds that have been built on lies. Friends, the truth is that explosive power that is given to us by God that enables us to demolish strongholds so that we can detox our minds. So step two in this stronghold demolishing battle plan is to resist every lie with the truth. Now, the brother of Jesus Jesus gave us some amazing advice For when you finally recognize a lie or a stronghold in your mind, James, uh, the brother of Jesus said, submit yourselves then to God, resist the devil and he will flee from you. Read it with me, everybody. Submit yourselves then to God, resist the devil and he will flee from you. What does it say the devil will do if you resist those lies? Flee. Flee. Now I wonder if James wrote this because of a story his brother Jesus told him about the first year Jesus was in ministry. If you remember in Matthew chapter four, Jesus is baptized in the Jordan River. Then he is led by the Holy Spirit to the east into the wilderness where he fasts and prays for 40 days. Now I try to fast and pray a day a week and I just feel like I'm gonna die almost any time while I'm doing it, all right? I have never fasted 40 days. Jesus fasted 40 days in a desert. And so at the end of that fast, he had to be physically as weak as a kitten. And that's when the devil comes at him with these lies, trying to build a stronghold in his life. And you may remember this story. The devil comes to Jesus and says, hey, you gotta be starving, dude. You haven't eaten in 40 days. You got all this power from God. Why don't you use that power any way you want to? There's stones all over the place. Turn one of them into bread so we can have some lunch. You've got all the power. You can use it any way you want to. That's a lie. That was a lie. And and how did Jesus respond? Say it with me, everybody. It is written, man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Now, friends, Jesus crushed that lie with the scripture. God did not send him down here with all his power to use it any way he wanted to. We don't see Jesus ever flippantly using his power any way he wants to. Man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. But Satan comes at him again and he says, hey, you know what? I know you're here to do this great ministry. I know you wanna reach the whole world and save everybody. So the best way for you to get that done is to start your ministry off with something really spectacular. So let's go to the top of the temple and man, you just swan dive off the top of the temple and God will rescue you right before you hit the sidewalk. And dude, you will be a rock star and your ministry will be off and running and it'll honor God, which is a lie. That's not how Jesus is gonna build his ministry. That's not how he was going to honor God. And so Jesus responds to that lie with the scripture. Read it with me, everybody. It is also written, do not put the Lord your God to the test. And then Satan comes at him again. (coughs) Excuse me. He throws another lie at Jesus. He, He shows Jesus all the kingdoms of the world. And he says, basically, you don't have to go to the cross. You don't have to make all of these sacrifices. You don't have to take the sins of mankind on your own shoulders. Dude, if you will just bow down and worship me, I will give you all these kingdoms and all these people and I'll help you save everybody, which was a lie because Satan had no power to save anybody. And consequently, Jesus again replies from the scripture, say it with me, everybody, away from me, Satan, for it is written... Worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Now, did you notice how Jesus was at his physical weakest moment and yet defends himself as if it was his spiritual strongest moment? And he crushes every lie of the evil one with the truth of God's word. But did you also notice how sly the evil one is? How three different times, he, gets, he tries to get Jesus to settle for a cheap imitation of what he actually came to do. Now, this is how Satan works, man. He loves to deceive. And one of his worst, best plays, one of his best strongholds is to get you to replace God's plan with some cheap imitation. For example, we all want intimacy. We all want a depth of relationship with another person, right? And yet how many people do you know who settle for the cheap imitation of sex outside of marriage. That's not real intimacy. That's not the real thing. And the truth is, if you're playing that game right now, it's probably gonna rob you. uh, You know, this stronghold, everybody with this stronghold, may be robbed of the opportunity of ever having that kind of intimacy in their lives because you're selling for a cheap imitation. Many people want intimacy and commitment and a lifelong covenant partner, great marriage that'll last forever. But so many people in our culture today settle for a cheap imitation of living together outside of marriage. Friends, that's not the real thing. It's a cheap imitation, isn't it? And, and, you know, we've got secular universities now doing studies to show that if you want to be divorced in the future, the best way to make that happen is to live with somebody before you get married. And I mean, we just roll into this thing and Satan is laughing, laughing because he's trying to rob you the same way he tried to rob Jesus and he didn't go for it and many of us have. Many of us want intimacy with God. Lord, I just want this close, life-changing relationship with Jesus. But instead we settle for religion rules, rituals that don't have any relevance in our lives, rolling to church, Christmas, Easter, that's it. Friends, that kind of religion is what Jesus came to save us from. It's an imitation. Satan loves to imitate the real thing. He loves to play mind games. Now you gotta be thinking by now, Cam, help us out, bro. I mean, we've all got strongholds that we can't see. We get it. And we know we can demolish those strongholds if if we learn the truth of God's word and and obey it. And we get that too. But here's my problem. I honestly don't know what God says about the stronghold of my life. And I don't even know how to find out. Cam, I didn't grow up in church. Man, I don't even know. I I didn't even know it was wrong for me to live with my girlfriend before I started coming to church here. We thought if we loved each other, it was okay. And then we come to compassion and we learned that's a stronghold. And, And we agree with God and so we dealt with it. We got married, boom. But Cam, I didn't even know. I didn't even see that one coming. How will I see the next one coming? Good question. Glad you asked. Step three in the battle plan. Renew your mind with God's word. Friends, we're talking about reprogramming your mind. And I'm telling you, the best way to detox your mind and protect you from future strongholds is to download healthy, holy loads of truth into your mind every single day. Now, do you remember what Paul said in Romans chapter 12, verse 2? Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, His good and perfect and pleasing will. Friends, if we renew our mind, then we'll know what God's will is. Now, King David in the Old Testament was a guy who had a lot of strongholds, but he tried to demolish every single one, and here's how he did it. Read it with me, everybody. Come on. Lord, your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. Come on, one more time. Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. Friends, I want to challenge you to do what David did to demolish the strongholds in his life. I want to encourage you to start downloading the Word of God into your mind every single day. Now because I love you, let me show you how you can get a firm grip on God's word. There are five ways to download God's Word into your mind, and it'll make if you do all five of these things, it'll make you super strong. Now take a look at this graphic. The first way that you download God's word is by hearing. All right? That's what you're doing right now. Somebody's teaching you, You're making time to learn. Way to go, man. You're learning what God says about these strongholds that you need to demolish because you're listening to God's word. Awesome. Second way to grow, uh, to download God's word is to read. Now this is even better than listening to somebody because now you're activating another learning center. You're hearing, you're reading, you're marking. It's awesome. Third way to download God's word is to study. Man, that's better than listening or reading because, man, you know, you're mining what's in that passage that you're reading. You're digging for the truth. Man, whether you're doing this in a home group or in a discipleship group or you're just hammering through a chapter in your study Bible every day, man, study makes you strong. The fourth way to download God's Word is to memorize it. Now, I don't know about you, but when I was in high school, I had a really dirty mouth. I knew every dirty joke, I thought cussing was funny uh, and it kind of was in a really dark kind of way, all right? But it just ruined my testimony. I'm a Christian. I was going to church every week, cussing like a sailor. It was a stronghold in my life. I believed the lie that I can talk in ungodly ways and be thought of as a godly man. And that was a lie. And when I finally saw it for what it was, I detoxed myself myself by memorizing Ephesians 4.29. And I said Ephesians 4.29 a lot because I had cussed a lot and I knew it was going to take a lot of detox. All right, Ephesians 4.29 says, do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouth, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. Let's read this all together. Y'all ready? Here we go. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouth, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. Now, you know, once you memorize a verse like that and you start that dark talk, it pops up and it reminds you. And it's like a filter for what you say. It's like 50 pounds of dynamite for that stronghold. So friends, well, I want to memorize. And then the last way to download God's word is to meditate. Now, this is where you think deeply about what you've learned. You talk with a friend about it. You confess, you know, that sin like we talked about last week to somebody who can help you, you know, make a plan. You talk about the strongholds that we talked about today. Now, if I want to get a firm grip on the truth that will protect me from Satan's lies, how many of these five things do I need to do? Now, now let me illustrate this for you. Take your Bible or your phone or whatever you're using for the scripture tonight and just hold this up with your thumb and your little finger. Everybody with me? Got it, hold it up. Some of y'all didn't bring a tool for the lesson tonight, so hold your wife's purse up, just to, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> you got this right here? Now friends, listen, when you hold it up like this, that is the weakest grip you're ever gonna get. You're gonna hear what I'm saying tonight, and you're gonna think about it a little bit, and 48 hours from now, you will have forgotten 90% of what you've heard tonight, all right? But if you add the ring finger, right? Just add one more finger. Man, if you brought your Bible tonight, if you've got it on your phone and you open it up and you've been highlighting things and you've been, you know, not just, not just hearing, but reading as well, you've got a stronger grip. And then add the middle finger. Man, if you go home and you look up at anything I said tonight and you study a little bit and you run with it a little bit, or you talk about it in your life group this week, you'll get it even stronger. And if you add your index finger, you know, if you memorize any of the verses in this message tonight, I'm telling you, man, it will be like an anchor that will keep you from drifting toward any deceptive directions. And if you do all five of those things, you will have a firm grip on the truth. So here is the 2019 Stronghold Bashing Challenge that I wanna challenge you to do. I wanna challenge you to read through the New Testament with me twice this year. All of us together, read through the New Testament twice this year. There are 260 chapters in the New Testament. If you divide that by 52, is five. So I want to encourage you to read two chapters a day starting on Monday, January 21st. We're going to read two chapters a day, five days a week, Monday through Friday. I'm not giving you Saturday and Sunday off. I'm just assuming you'll need to catch up a little bit. And so we're giving you a little grace. All right. Two chapters a day, Monday through Friday, every week for the next year. And we will read through the New Testament twice. Now, here's what I want you to do. Read two chapters a day and then highlight any verse that hits you, this is, this is how you study the word. You roll through, you read every day and you just highlight anything that hits you. Then I wanna encourage you to text it to a friend. Just take whatever that verse is and text it to somebody. Get a spouse, brother, sister, buddy, to do this thing with you and then pick the verse that hits you, text it to them every day. Now we're gonna start on Monday with Matthew one and two. Everybody say Matthew one and two. Matthew one and two. And then I'm gonna put the verse that hits me on Instagram every morning, Monday through Friday, for the next year. And I wanna encourage you to do the same thing. Now, my Instagram address is at TCAMHUX. If you don't know what Instagram is, ask your grandchildren. They'll tell you all about it, all right? (laughs) And and if you don't follow me on Instagram, I wanna encourage you to load that up and follow me this year. And I'm gonna share the verse that hits me every morning. And I hope you'll share the verse that hits you. And in the next 52 weeks, we're gonna read through the New Testament together twice. How many of you have ever read through the entire New Testament? How many of you have never read through the entire, don't put your hand up. That's nobody's business. All right. One year from today, that could be different. And so here's what I want to encourage you to do with me. We're going to read through the New Testament twice in the next year and download God's word into our hearts in a way that will bust up the strongholds that are holding us back. Now, friends, if you intentionally, consistently download God's word in your heart, he will use it to demolish every stronghold and detox your mind. Now, Father, we're talking about something that's not racy, it's not exciting, it's not a blood pumping kind of thing. It's that daily discipline that will make us super strong, over time. It's that daily discipline that will just wash our minds with the truth. That will bash those strongholds until they come down. And I pray God that every compassion Christian will start this discipline this week. Every day, two chapters from your Word. Mark the spot where the Holy Spirit hit us. And Lord, we'll just take this adventure and load your word into our hearts so it'll protect our minds. And I pray, God, that you'll bless us as we do in Jesus' name, amen.